Oh, it's so good to be with my extended family here at Radiate Church. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Please grab a seat. What an honor to be with you guys. I want to welcome our online family, wherever you happen to be joining us from. It is a privilege to have you with us. I tell you what, Radiate, can we put our hands together so that everybody joining us online will hear how excited we are that you guys are with us. And online, throw some hand clap emojis in there. We want to know that you're with us. And uh, Pastor Brandon and Megan, don't know if you are catching this online, but I miss you. I love your church. Your church loves you. And one more time, make some noise for your pastor. Come on, let him know how much you love him. Megan, we love you. And I want to say this to, uh, to Radiate real quick. Thank you for being the kind of church that blesses your pastor and wants him to get away and be refreshed. Thank you for being the kind of church that lets him be a husband and a father before being a pastor. And I just want you to know how thankful I am. I bring you greetings from Wilmington, uh, Pastor LifePoint Church, and wish my family was, was here with me, but we're getting ready to, our whole life's being uh, turned upside down. We've just been on vacation, and then we're getting ready in less than four weeks to send our oldest two kids off to college. And so this is my family, though, and uh, you see my wife right there beside me. That's Michelle. This summer, we celebrated 23 years of marriage. It's pretty good, huh? I know you're like, you guys don't look like you could be married for 20 years, or well, one of us doesn't look that way. The other, one of us has not aged, the other definitely has. And so my, my beautiful wife, Michelle, beside her is my oldest son, that's Riley, he's 20, and my daughter next to him, is, uh, that's Kenley, she's 18, and then all the way on the other end is Emery, he just turned 17 this past week. And so that's my gang right there, guys. In less than four weeks, those oldest two, we drive them down to Sarasota, Florida, drop them off for college, and fly back home. And so life is changing at our house. We're excited about it, but at the same time, like pray for mom, because I don't know how she's going to handle it. She's taking it hard. She's going to miss her babies. So that's kind of my gang. That's, they're, they're praying for you right now. My wife sent me a message before the service and said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for Radiate. And so I know that you're being covered in prayer today. It's an honor to be a part of this best summer ever. I hope it has been a good one. It's been a good summer for you guys, Radiate. Been a good one. I heard, yeah, snow cones and uh, I think he said lawn parties, but in the back I thought I heard lawn darts. I was like, I remember those. You throw these like sharp objects in the sky and hope they don't hit anyone. I was like, if you guys did that, you're now my favorite church ever. But it is awesome to be able to close out your best summer ever. I got a message God's put on my heart, but before I get there, I just got to figure out how many people here love to read. You like love books. Where's my, I love to read kind of people. I see over here in the back, a couple of you. I'm not a big reader. I think that's why they, they made movies so that you can actually get a book in two hours and have popcorn. But I know people are like, the book is so much better than the movie. So I was never a big reader, but when I was a kid, there was a certain type of book that I did enjoy reading. And it was these kind. They're called Choose Your Own Adventure Books. Does anybody remember these? Raise your hand if you remember these. As I know, this is like, where's my, like, this is old, old people now. Most of you are like, I don't even know. Where do you find that? It's, it's this place called a library. They're still there. I went to one the other day. I picked up this book. Uh, but these are Choose Your Own Adventure Books. They all look the same. They've got this red banner at the top. This one that I have in my hand I picked up is called Escape. It is uh, 27 possible endings. This one I thought was pretty interesting. I pulled it off the shelf and it said, a once proud country governed by freedom is torn apart. I was like, wait a second, when was this written? Is this now? It says, who's the president in this? Who's, what is going on? Anyway, that's the most political stance I'll, I'll make. But I thought this was kind of crazy. I want to read this. And the whole idea of this book is, is that as you're going through, you have decisions to make. 
And so a lot of times, you know, it's like if you want to join the revolution, go to page 47. If you wish to go in your basement and cower in fear, go to page 76. And so if you make a bad choice and you end up dying, it's like, well, I'll just go back and make a different choice. And if we could only do that in life, that'd be great. But we are where we are in life because of the decisions that we've made, right? You, you are here today because you made a decision or somebody did on your behalf. Like you're going to church today and so you're here. But life is like one big choose your own adventure story. And in life, we have decisions to make. I look at my life and I am the product of the decisions I made. It, I, did not, I did not try very hard in high school, okay? I was very lazy in high school. If the teacher sent out the syllabus and I was told that I could pass with an 80 if I did no homework, guess what? I did no homework. And I just didn't try very hard. And because of that, I didn't do very, very well in high school. I had to take classes in college that were like, it was like English for idiots is what it should have been called. It was like, it was like my, my exams would, would have a question like, I have read the book, R-E-D or R-E-A-D, circle the, quick, the correct spelling. It was bad, and I wasted time, I wasted money, and that was totally on me. I didn't, I didn't make wise decisions in high school, I paid for it in college. Probably the biggest decision that I ever made, one of the biggest game-changing decisions of my life was when I was in college. I was pursuing a business degree, but I knew that God was calling me to ministry. I had wrestled with this feeling of calling, and, and, but I kept telling God, I'm like, but God, if I go into ministry, how am I going to make a bunch of money? How am I going to have all this stuff, all these things I thought I needed? And finally ended up making a decision. It was through my wife. We were dating at the time, and she said, well, you know, my hang-up was, how am I going to provide for my family if I go into ministry? And she said, well, do you want to provide for your family, or do, do you want God to provide? And I was like, how many you know, you get a, a godly woman that will speak some mic drop truth over your life. You better marry her. And I did. And I made a decision to switch. And, and I don't know. I don't know where I would be today if I hadn't made that decision. Greatest decision I ever made was January 26, 1981. It's the day I said yes to Jesus. Second greatest decision was the day I asked my wife to marry me. And I look at my life and I am where I am because of decisions. And they weren't all good. I made some really bad decisions. But I'm sure you're the same way. Like you can look at your life and you can look at pivotal moments where you had a decision to make. And you're like, do I do this or do I do that? You can think about decisions like, think about the dumbest things you've ever done. You can probably picture the friends you were running with because stupidity runs in packs, doesn't it? We make bad decisions usually with our friends. And I remember Jake's parents were out of town. We thought it would be smart to throw a party. We just didn't think anybody would show up. Well, they did, and it was a disaster. And that was a decision that I paid dearly for. I think about, you know, decisions to choose certain friends, decisions to, to, to make purchases. Anybody ever made a bad purchase? Raise your hand. Where's my bad purchase? Anybody drive it to church today? Anyone? <laughs> but yeah, we, we are the product of, of our decisions. And so we've got to choose wisely. Turn to your neighbor right now and just say, choose wisely. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Here's the reason why. The choices that we make today determine the consequences we live with tomorrow. Choices have consequences. I'm not a big fan of like victim mentality. I realize a lot of the dumb stuff in, in my life was self-induced. And, and we live in a world where people, they love to say like, well, you know, pastor, everything happens for a reason. You hear somebody say that? Everything happens for a reason. I love the words of Ron Swanson. I have this little meme I want to show you up here. He puts it like it is. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is you're stupid and make bad decisions. Anybody relate to that? Look at your neighbor and be like, he's preaching to you right now. 
Raise you. You need, you need to listen. I understand that there are consequences in life, and I have a choice to make. And just like this book, if I choose the wrong, the wrong answer, if I go to the wrong page, I got to go back. I got to make better decisions. There are consequences for our choices. And so I want to preach a message today that I've titled, Choose Your Own Adventure. If you're taking notes, find something to write this down or get your phone out and open your notes app. Choose your own adventure. We are going to, we're going to be in the fifth book of the Old Testament. It's the book of Deuteronomy. If you're not familiar with where that's at, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you have your, your Bible app, it's real easy to find. And so go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And while you're going there, let me tell you what's happening in this story. We're looking at a story about the nation of Israel. They are God's chosen people. And God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. I've got a promised land for you. But when we first meet them, they're not prospering. They're actually slaves in Egypt. They're suffering. They cry out to God. God says, I hear you. I'm going to send a deliverer. I'm raising up a deliverer, and he does. Now, I'm giving you the Notes version, okay? It's actually a long story. But he raises up a deliverer. He rescues them out of Egypt, and he does it in, like, the most miraculous way. He says, I, I'm going to lead you to this promised land. He doesn't tell him where it's at. He just says, listen, during the day, there's going to be a big cloud in the sky to protect you from the heat. Follow the cloud. And then at night, it's going to become fire at night. Follow the fire. Like, wouldn't that be awesome on your next road trip? You're like, guys, pack the bags. We're going on vacation. Where are we going? I don't know, but there's this cloud, and we're supposed to follow it. And there's fire at night, and we're just going to follow it. Like, that would be wild. And that's how God guided them to the promised land. And then he said, oh, by the way, when you get hungry, I will rain down food from heaven. Like every morning, there's going to be food on the ground. Just scoop it up and eat it. That'd be great. And listen, on this journey, there's going to be people that oppose you. And there's going to be enemies. And they're going to go to war with you. But when they go to war with you, don't worry. I'll fight your battles for you. You just need to be still. Just show up and trust that I will protect you. I mean, how awesome would that be? God says, I've got you. Trust me. I mean, if I was in that group of people caravanning to this promised land, I'd be like, listen, I just, I'm going to go with God. I'm going to go with the, you know, the cloud, the fire, the food. I will never doubt you again, God. I'm going to follow you. But that's not what happened. They doubted God at every single turn. And then in Numbers chapter 13, you can read this for yourself. God gives them some instructions and they completely disobey. They don't trust him. And their disobedience sends them on a 40-year detour. Could you fathom? 40 years of wandering in the wilderness until the entire dis or unbelieving generation dies away. And then God finally delivers them to this promised land. And it teaches us a principle I want to talk about today. And the idea that it teaches us today is this. God places a high value on obedience. God wants us to trust him. And so that takes us to this passage in Deuteronomy 28. In 28 verse 1, here's what the Bible says. It begins with this little word that has a large impact. It simply says this. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God. Little word, big impact. If you choose in your adventure to fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today. Look at what he says. He says, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. Isn't that what we want? We want to live in a nation that is elevated above every other nation. God says, I got you. I can do that. 
Verse 2, all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if, there it is again, if you obey the Lord your God. What we're about to look at now is a list of the ways that God wants to bless them. This is just crazy. I'm going to read this fast. He says, you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. City folk, I got blessings for you. Country folk, I got blessings for you. Your basket and kneading trough will be blessed. I don't even know what a kneading trough is, but it sounds awesome. And if God can bless it, I'll take a blessed kneading trough. And he goes on, you'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. Anybody got barns here? Anybody got barns? God says, I will expand your barns. He's like, I will, I will overflow your barns. Now that seems weird to us because we're like, well, I don't really have a barn. What do I do? Keep in mind, he's talking to people that raise livestock and, and they grow crops. And so what he's saying is, I, would, I will bless your income, your livelihood. I've got blessings on you. I'll send blessings on your barns and everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's giving you. Verse 9, the Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath. If, there it is again, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. Then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. This is a respect, a reverence. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb. That just sounds funny, fruit of the womb. And in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. Verse 12. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in seasons and to bless all the works of your hands. If you are growing crops for a living, what is an essential ingredient to the growth of your crops? Rain, water, yes. God says, I got you when you need rain. Trust me, I got you. And then he says, you will lend to many nations, but borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Now, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but you wanna be the head, not the tail, okay? Turn to your neighbor, say, don't be a tail, all right? Tell them, just don't, you, don't, you, don't want to, you don't want that. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today, not to the right or to the left, and follow other gods and serve them. It's a lot. God basically is saying, I can bless you in every imaginable way possible if you choose to follow me. So in this life of, of choosing our own adventure, the first choice that we have is the choice to live a blessed life. And I don't know anybody that's like, okay, I don't want that. What else have you got? But option one is blessed. Now this word blessed that we've seen over and over and over is the Hebrew word baruch. Baruch. You got to kind of add that little bit of throat phlegm effect at the end. Baruch. On three, I want everybody to say baruch. One, two, three, Baruch. Did you put it on there at the end? Some of you were like, something hit the back of my neck. That was gross. Baruch, what does it mean? It means blessed, praised, adored, happy. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to live a life that is blessed, praised, adored, and happy? And God says, I can do all of that, and I want to do all of that in your life. But if you're here and you're like, I don't know if I want that. What else you got? Okay, I have another option. Option two. Option two. Let's keep reading Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. However, if you don't want to be blessed, 
If you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You'll be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flock, you'll be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. And then the list goes on and on and on. And the list of curses is actually longer than the list of blessings. And so what he's saying here, you you could sum it up by saying, the closer the people of God listened and obeyed the instructions of God, the more they experienced the blessings of God. Now let me say it again. The closer the people of God obeyed the instructions of God, the more they received and experienced the blessings of God. God says, I want to bless you. And I know that that's on God's heart. God is a good father that says, I love my kids and I want to bless them. I mean, I love my kids. And there's times that I just want to pour blessings on them. And there are other times that I am like, no way am I going to bless you. Now, I know that may be hard to believe because you're like, you're a pastor, and I'm sure your kids, they all get along, and they probably sing songs to Jesus all day together. They might even be their own little worship team, and then they have Bible study time and prayer time. And you, if you're thinking that, you would be wrong. You would be dead wrong. My kids are normal teenagers and a 20-year-old, and man, they can get on each other's nerves, and they can work my nerve. And, and there's times when, like, my older, my older son is just being a pest to his little brother, And I'm like, for the love, would you work this out? And and so I want you to think, this may not be, you know, you may not have to use your imagination to to picture this, but imagine walking into one of your kids' rooms and you open the door and it is just filthy, like clothes everywhere. You're like, how do you even get to the bed? It's just, everything is out. It's like you just threw it. You know, didn't mom do laundry and she folded it? Now it's everywhere. And if you walked in and you said, you have got to clean this room, Next time I'm in here, it better be folded, put away, cleaned up. What if a couple hours later you came back and you opened the door and nothing had changed? And your son or your daughter was like, you know, we haven't been out like for ice cream in a while. Can can we go get ice cream? Mom and dad, do you take them for ice cream? Please say no. No, you're like, no, we ain't going to get ice cream. I asked you to clean your room. Why would I take you for ice cream if you're not going to listen to what I say? Why would you do that? Because you're a parent that loves your kids and you don't want to reward disobedience. We have a heavenly father that says, I love you and I want to bless you, but I want you to be obedient. So let's change the scenario. Imagine coming home from work one day and you come home and you're like, are the kids here? Where's the backpacks? And instead of dropping them in the middle of the kitchen floor, they actually put them away. Crazy thought. And then you're like, where is everybody? And you go and you check and they're in their room doing their homework. And one of them has actually finished their homework. So they're helping their sibling with their homework. And, you know, all of a sudden dinner's ready, you know, prep this meal, and you call them to the table, and they come the first time they hear, like, hey, dinner's ready, come to the table. First time they come. And they leave their phones in another room because they don't want the phone to distract them from family time. And as they sit down, they say, Mom and Dad, thank you so much for the way that you provide for our family. What a blessing you are. And Mom, you just, you, you know, you, you cook this great meal. Um, you obviously care about our health. Uh, personally, we don't like spaghetti squash, but we get it. We're going to eat it. We're going to be grateful for it. And if it's okay with you, Mom and Dad, can we talk during this meal about our day and maybe, like, high and low? of our day it'd be great to hear and and just you know celebrate our family time together about the time you pick yourself up off the floor wonder what happened to your kids if your kids go hey you know could we go out and have like a family evening maybe go get some ice cream mom and dad are you are you going to take your kids for ice cream after a day like that please say yes yeah why because you're a parent who loves your kids 
and they've been obedient to your instructions and they're honoring one another. And what God is saying is if you choose to fully obey, what I ask of you, oh my goodness, I'll bless, you. I'll bless the socks off of you. I'll pour out so much blessing. You, you can't handle all of it. And so the closer we obey God, the more we experience his blessing. But the opposite is true. The more we drift from the instructions of God, the more we begin to ignore the instructions of God, we remove ourselves from God's hand of protection, his provision, and his blessing. And this is the story of the nation of Israel all through Scripture. We'll find they're in a bad place. They cry out to God, and God rescues them, and he blesses them. And before long, they begin to choke on the blessing. It's like they want the blessing more than the blesser. They take the blessing, they ignore God, life falls apart, and they cry out, God, where are you? He's like, I'm in the same place I always was. I haven't left, you left, but God being God, full of grace and mercy, he, re he restores them, he blesses them. And so this on again, off again, it's like a bad teenage relationship is what it looks like. Like they're together, they're broken up. They're together, they're broken up. And God never breaks up with them, but they oftentimes ignore God. And we see this pattern over and over and over. So in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, the Bible says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you choices. That's what he's saying. I've set before you choices. This is a choose-your-own-adventure. I set before you life and death blessings and curses. And then it says this, three words, now choose life. Did you see it? Now choose life. And it goes on so that you and your children may live. And it's telling us that the choices we make today are gonna affect way more than just us. Our kids are gonna get caught up in the wake of our choices and that wake is going to be blessings if we're obedient to God. So many of us, we don't know why we have it so good. You have it so good because your parents before you chose to honor and fully obey God. And that blessing is spilling over to you. I hope that's the legacy I leave for my kids. But I want you to know this. I want you to write this down, punch it in your phones. The best life, write this down. The best life is a blessed life. Write that down. Online fam, just type that in. The best life is a blessed life. We want to talk about best summer ever. Hear me when I tell you, your best summer ever will be your most blessed summer ever. You want to experience your best life is when you say yes to the, the will and the ways of God and you walk in obedience to him, choosing to trust him because the blessed life is a choice. I want you to catch this. Maybe write it down. It's a choice. It's a choice to say yes to God, to honor his will and his ways. It's as if, if you could imagine on this stage, imagine I have two doors, okay? Two doors. And in this life, we have choices. Do I want to choose blessings or do I want to choose curses? Now, nobody's going to be like, well, I'm going to go with curses for a thousand, Jeff. Thank you. Nobody's going to do that. But life doesn't present itself that way, does it? What life does is it presents itself a little bit differently. I mean, it'd be great if you're trying to pray through, like, I don't know, should we, should we relocate? We're thinking about this job opportunity. And wouldn't it be great if that opportunity was like labeled blessings? Like if it's got blessings on it, then yes, I'm going to do it. But you're like, I don't know, I keep getting, the, I see this word cursed over this job. I'm going to say no to that. It's a hard pass for me. But life's not so obvious, is it? You know, this, this girl, is she the right one? I don't know. Well, does, is she labeled blessed or is she labeled cursed? Because that would help me make up my mind. But it doesn't work that way. 
And so we picture these two doors and we think about these two doors. I want you to know this door doesn't say blessings. It'd be awesome if it did. It's labeled differently. And across the top of this door of blessings says God's way. God's way. And oftentimes we're like, well, duh, that's the way that I want. But the moment we choose God's way, we begin to realize that it is, it's the opposite of the world's way. The world's way. The moment we say, God, I want to go after your way, we're confronted with the reality that there's a lot of our world that does things differently. God's way, isn't that outdated? You mean like you're going to make decisions based on the Bible? You don't actually believe the Bible, do you? That's so old-fashioned. Everybody else is doing this. Everybody else, everybody else. You've certainly heard that. Everybody else. And so we have this challenge of like, God, do I go your way? Or do I do what the world says? Because if I'm going to choose your way, God, then I'm going to make decisions based upon faith. And faith, I don't care what people tell you, faith is scary. You ever had to make a decision based on faith? Everybody's like, oh, you just got to have a little bit of faith. You're like, yeah, that's easy for you to say because you're not making steps of faith. So often faith is like, God, I don't know what's going to happen when I step out. At LifePoint, my church, we have a value of faith that says when we step out, God steps in. And so often we wish God would step in before we step out. Wouldn't that be nice? God, I'm thinking about doing something here. If you would just move mightily, then I'll know that it's you. And God's like, how about you move mightily? How about you take a step of faith and let's find out? And so often I find people are like, God, if you will, if you will step into my circumstances, step into my marriage, step into my finances, God, if you'll step in, I'll step out. And God goes, if you'll step out, I'll step in. And we're like, God, if you'll step in, I'll step out. And God's like, how about you step out, I'll step in. And we're like, are we going to play this game all day? And God's like, I got time. I, he will not force us to take steps of faith, but you will not experience the blessing of God. When we step out in faith, God steps into our circumstances. It's when, it's when the, the nation of Israel stepped into the water of the Jordan. When their feet got wet, the waters began to part. But here's the thing, the moment we begin to take steps of faith, guess what logic kicks in? God, the world's way is like, wait, wait, but that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Have you thought this through? Have you thought about the ramifications? If you step out in faith, what about, what about, what about? And we start going, I don't know, God, I ran the numbers. I don't know if this is going to work. And so we have to choose faith, logic, what's it gonna be? And we're like, all right, I wanna go with you, God, and you will not walk by faith unless you learn to trust. To go God's way requires trust. God, I trust you. I can't see what's on the other side of that door, so I'm gonna trust that you are a promise keeper. I'm gonna trust that you're good. I'm gonna trust that your will and your way is better than what I could come up with on my own because if I choose to trust, what I'm doing is I'm letting go of control. The world's way says you gotta be in control. I gotta be in control. And here's what I know about you. Some of you are control freaks. How do I know? Because I got a bunch in my church and I am one. Some of you are sitting next to a control freak, are you? aren't you? Yeah, it's easy. We want to be in control. As long as I'm in control, as long as I can flip the switches and make the decisions, I'm in control. But if I choose to trust, then I'm, I'm out of control. But that means God's in control. And let me tell you, he's so much better at this thing than we are. And so if I choose to trust, what I'm going to do is I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust his word. And I'm going to live a life of conviction. God's way requires conviction. I'm going to stand on the truth of God's word, even if I'm the only one standing. I'm going to stand for what is right. I'm going to let my yes be yes and my no be no because we live in a world of compromised convictions. The world says, no, 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 no. Listen, it's not, everybody does this. It's, honestly, it's not, that, it's not that big of a deal. Just change the numbers on the spreadsheet. It's okay. 
Yeah, how will you know if she's the one if you don't sleep with her, right? And so we live in a world that says compromise, it's not that big of a deal. And at the end of the day, if we want to choose God's way, it's about saying, God, I want to live a life of obedience. It's, it's about obeying you, your will, your way. I'm going to obey. Anybody grow up old school church where you sang hymns? Remember one called Trust and Obey? Anybody? Let's all sing it together on three. Ready? One, two, trust and, no, just don't, don't. <laughs> so you were like about to have a revival. He's with me. Yeah, trust and obey. We used to sing that. There's no better way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. If I want to honor God, I've got to fully obey. Isn't that what scripture said? It wasn't if you'll partially obey me, I'll partially bless you. It was full, full. But here's the problem is the world's way says, but I got a better idea. God, I hear you on that, but (laughs) hear me out. Got a few ideas. Got a few I want to run by you. And here's what I've learned. God is an incredible author. He's the author of life. He's the author of your story. And he has written a story and you are a part of it and it is better than anything you could ever come up with on your own. God is the author, but I've come to learn we are the editors. And so often we look at God's story and we're like, that's not bad. I mean, I would tweak a few things. Mind if I, can I, can I? And we start editing the story of God and we begin editing the story of God. What we're saying is, God, I hear you, but I've got a better way. And I want you to know God's way is always, always, always better. And what I know about you, Radio, it's the same thing I know about my church. We want to be blessed. We want to be a blessed people. We want every nation, everybody, we want all the neighborhoods around us to go, man, you are blessed. What is it about you? And the answer is I made a decision that I'm going to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to, I'm going to put God first. Like I want, I want a marriage that's blessed. I want people to look at my wife and I and go, how did you guys get, like how do you, so much joy in, in your, your marriage And if we're going to have a blessed marriage, we're going to do things that honor God. We're going to make decisions. If you're in dating life right now, listen, compromises in dating will not lead to a blessed marriage. You have to make a decision. I'm going to live with conviction in dating because I know that I want the blessing in marriage. You're not going to get 23 years, 50 years in marriage by compromise. It's conviction. It's going to say, you know what? I want to do this God's way. We're going to submit to each other as we would to the Lord. We're going to forgive as we've been forgiven. I'm going to trust that the same God that brought us together can keep us together. We're going to, we're going to fight for this marriage rather than just in this marriage. Like It's a choice. It's a choice. Love is a choice. Marriage is a choice. Raising kids. Man, making kids is easy, isn't it right? That's the, that's the fun part. Raising kids is hard, and especially those teenage years. You're like, the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. I'm about to let you go. And so you got to just make these decisions. Like we're going, we're going to make decisions now that will reap a harvest later. I'm going to have my kids in church. I'm going to get my kids around good people because you can't get those days back. And so it's saying, I'm going to trust you, God, even when it doesn't make sense. And, and then there's the area of finances, which all of us will be like, man, I definitely want God to bless my finances. I've never met anybody that was like, pastor, you know what my problem is? God has just given me too much money. He has just blessed me too much financially. I don't know what to do with it. That's my problem. No, we're all like, man, I wish God would would bless me with more. I wish he would trust me with more. And there's no arena of our life that is so black and white like like money. It is what it is. And so often we look at it and we're like, God, I want to trust you. But (laughs) I ran the numbers, God. And, uh, and, And I know that everything belongs to you. Like, you know, God owns it all. But like, amen, preach, pastor. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills the cattle graze on. That's a great sermon. Yeah, pastor, preach that. It's all his. That's right. God's place is first place. That's right. Even in your finances. Like, well, I mean, I was with you for a moment there because 
Because there's things I want to buy, right? There's, I, got, I got kids going off to college. God, do you know how much college is? It's gone up since you sent yours through. Like, it's crazy expensive now. And so we start saying, I, God, I, I want to trust you. I want to put you first. I hear Pastor Brand talk about tithing and trusting and generosity, but I, I want to get there, but I've got this better idea. And do you see where it becomes a challenge to go, God, I want to trust you, but I just don't see how this will happen. I'm supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. And sight says, if I can't see it, I won't believe it. But faith says, because I can't see it, I'm going to look to the one who can, and I'm going to trust you, God. And I want to follow after you. And it comes down to this idea of, like, can I trust God? And you know, when we come to church sometimes, it's like, we're going to honor God with our tithes and our offerings. You're like, what in the world is a tithe? I live at the beach, and we would have people that would write checks, and they'd write tithes, T-I-D-E-S. I'm like, well, as long as it gets deposited, it's fine. Just, we'll explain it later. We'll clean this up later. It's our tithes offering. And I realize nobody ever talks about tithes, tithing. Like when you go to work tomorrow, nobody's like, man, how about those tithes, huh? And you're like, what do you, what? And so we only hear about it at church, but nobody ever really takes a lot of time to explain. And I want you to know, tithing is not a churchy word. It's just, it's a unit of measurement. It, it just means a tenth. That's all it is. You could go to lunch today, get you some chicken wings, and if you have 10 chicken wings and I say, hey, can I have a tithe of your chicken wings? You're probably going to say no because they're your chicken wings. You'd be like, you should have got your own. But if you were being generous and you had 10 wings and I asked for a tithe, how many wings am I asking for? One. That's it. If you had 100 wings and I asked for a tithe, how many wings am I asking for? 10. And what in the world are you doing with 100 chicken wings? Let's just let's have that conversation. All right, this is, uh, this, is, this is advanced math here. If you have 25 chicken wings, and I'm like, can I get a tithe of that? How many chicken wings am I asking for? Two and a half. So you eat the first half, and then I get the second? Is that how this is going to work? Anyway, I'm just <laughs> giving you a hard time. But that's, that's all. So you can just, yeah, hit them, with, hit them with that at work tomorrow over lunch. Just say, let me get a tithe of those fries. And watch them look at you weird. That's all it is. But it's more than that. God says, if you will trust me with the tithe, it's the first tenth. It's saying, God, I believe that everything I have, I've received from you. You've blessed me so abundantly that I'm going to take the first tenth and I'm going to return it to you. I'm returning it because it belongs to you already anyway. And if I don't return it, like if I borrowed your lawnmower and never gave it back, what would you call that? That's, you said it, stealing, not me. But, so if, I have, if everything belongs to God and I have this tithe and I don't return it, I'm keeping what belongs to him. But God says, listen... I'm going to ask you to return the first tenth, and I'm going to bless the 90 so it goes farther than 100 ever would. That's the crazy part of walking through this door of faith. This is, I don't see how this is going to work, but I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting that you're going to do this. And we see that this nation of Israel, this you know, wrestling with obeying God. In, in Malachi chapter 3, they've been disobeying God. They're in a bad place. They've not been honoring God with the tithe. And he says, you've been robbing from me. And they're like, how, how are we doing this? And he says this in... in uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, he says, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then I love that God says this. He says, test me in this. You ever hear people like, you shouldn't, you're not supposed to put the Lord to the test. He's literally looking you in the eyes going, I triple dog dare you. Test me in this, but watch this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Could you imagine living in a house that cannot contain the blessings of God? That's what I want. It's spilling out of my life. I can't hang on to it. That's God's promise. And you and I are staring at this door of blessings, this door of curses, and we got to go, what do I do? Do I choose God's way of faith and trust and conviction and obedience? Or do I say, God, I, man, I just don't, I, I don't see how this could happen. 
I don't know how this could ever work. I think about this from that, from that father's perspective for a minute. My youngest son, before he got his license, he would ride his bike everywhere. I mean, I would look at my Life360 app. He'd be 20 miles from home. He just loves to ride his bike. He'd be at like Wrightsville Beach. And I'm like, you okay? He's like, yeah, I just went for a bike ride. I was like, okay, well, you realize you have to come home, right? And, and so he, he would ride his bike to the Dollar General where they sold cotton candy. Loves cotton candy. And, and so he, he would go ride his bike and he would load his backpack with as many cotton candies as it would fit in his backpack. And then he'd come home and he would live off those. And then in his room were cotton candy containers everywhere. And so one day I was like, I just want to hook up my son. I know he loves this. He's not asking for anything. I love my son, and we go, and, and we stop, and I'm like, hey, I hand him some money. I'm like, run in and get some cotton candy. And he's like, really? I like, yeah. So he goes in, he gets it, and he's got his, you know, grubby little hand in the cotton candy he's eating. And I do what dads do. I reach over the seat, and I'm like, hey, will you hand me some? And he hands me, this joker hands me the, slaw, the smallest little sliver of cotton candy. Like, you know that it dissolves into nothing the moment it gets in your mouth anyway. Like, I won't even taste the sugar. I won't even get a rush from this. I'm like, give me some more of that. He's like, it was my cotton candy. You should have got some if you wanted some. I was like, son, I'm about to teach you a lesson. I should have just snatched that out of his hand. I'm like, I have the ability to bless you with more cotton candy. I can overwhelm your room. It would literally, I can throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much cotton candy that you can't contain it. I can rot all of your teeth out with cotton candy. Like, I can do that. And I bought you the cotton candy. Just give me some cotton candy. And I just wonder how often God is like, could I, could I get a little something of that? And we're like, get your own. And he's like, well, that was mine. And he says, I could, I could bless you more than you could ever understand. And the problem is, here's the problem. The truth is, when we look at these doors, we know where this door goes, the world's way. Logic. Because we've walked through this. We've chosen it for so long. But I just wonder... What's on the other side of obedience? If blessing follows obedience, what's on the other side of choosing God's way? What could happen? How sad to think that we get to the end of the life of our life never seeing what God was capable of. I'm telling you, you've had a great run and God's doing amazing things, but could you just imagine a church that says we are going to trust God in some of the most scariest aspects of our life? Because here's what I find is crazy. This makes no sense, but I see it all the time. It is easier for us to trust God with our eternity. God, I trust you to forgive me of my sins, be my Lord and Savior. We will trust God with our eternity, but not our reality. Isn't that wild? God, if I can trust you for forever, I can trust you with right now. One of the things I love that your church does, your church takes this whole test God thing seriously. They do this thing called the 90-day tithe challenge. And they're like, listen, we're, we want to challenge every single person. Every single one, maybe, you know, if you're somebody that's like, man, I just, I don't, my, the way my bank account's set up, I just have a hard time, you know, giving right now or trusting God. I would say, listen, I get it. 10% might be scary. That's a, that's a, that's a big step if you're, if you're not used to doing anything. But every single person can take a step today. And maybe today, this idea of trusting God, you're like, God, I see where I want to be. I'm, I can't get there yet. But I could, I could sit down with my spouse if you're married and say, listen, what if this coming month, what if we said, you know, August we could, do, we could do 1%. We're currently doing zero. We could do 1%. That's a pretty big increase. And let's just see how God honors that. Let's see God's faithfulness with 1%. And then in another month or two, what if we step it to 2 or 3%? And we work our way to a life that says, God, I want to honor your, your, your word and your ways, and I want to see what you're capable of. Maybe you're here and you've been, you know, when there's special offerings you give towards that, but you've never taken a step to say, God, I'm going to trust you with a tithe. What if you just said for the next 90 days, let's see what God can do. Or maybe you're somebody that you have been tithing. Thank you for that. 
Thank you for honoring the Lord with that. I believe the reason that churches, churches like yours and ours can make impacts on our community is because of the people that, that put God to the test. They trust him. Maybe it's taking a, a step of sacrificial giving, saying, I've been doing 10%. I'm going to go to 11%. I want to see what God can do. I can't outgive God. I know that. That's in the word. And here's the thing. Here's what's so cool about this 90-day tithe challenge. Let's say you do it for 90 days, and you're like, man, this ain't working. Pastor Brandon, this isn't working. Radiate will give you back every dollar that you gave. It is a, a no-risk guarantee to test the promises of God. There's a step every single person could take. God is triple dog daring you. And I, I love this quote. I close with this. Dr. Charles Stanley said this. He said, God takes full responsibility for the life fully devoted to him. What a cool promise. God takes full responsibility for the life fully devoted to him. He's got you. God's got you because he loves you. Today we have a choice. It's an adventure and we get to choose. Radiate, let's pray together. Those of you online, pray with me. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your promises. They are good. And Lord, I know right now you're challenging us in so many ways. Some it's with the finances, some it's with our relationships. There's some of us need to go back and break off a dating relationship. We're compromising our convictions and we wanna honor you. And that's a tough one, but we're gonna honor you, God. We're gonna trust that you can do what we cannot. And so here's what I wanna do for the next 15 seconds while the keys play. Would you ask God, would you say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Just ask him that right now. And just listen to what he's putting on your heart. I believe he's gonna say, trust me. Would you trust me? Would you trust me in your marriage? Would you trust me to restore? I love when we sang, God, you can have it all. You can have it all. We can't sing that if we don't live that. I believe that God is a restorer and a redeemer and a blesser. I think he wants to do that in your life. And so let me just ask you this as we, as we close out our time together. You know, it's one thing to have a blessed finances or a blessed marriage or raising kids that are blessed, but all of that is secondary to having a relationship with God that is blessed. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. We see that all around us. That's in every headline that we look at. Our world's broken because of sin. And God says, I still love you. And I still, I, I, still, I still desire a relationship with you. And because he loves you, he sent his son, Jesus, to suffer and die on the cross so that you could be forgiven and you could be restored. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you need to begin a relationship with Jesus today, would this be your moment? I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You don't need to pray this out loud. You can pray in the quietness of your heart, but you do need to have a heart of sincerity. God hears your heart, he knows your heart. And if you're ready to repent of your sins and put your trust in Jesus, would you make this your prayer? In the quietness of your heart, would you say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I give you my life. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I choose to put my trust in you. Say this. Say, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Do this. Say, God, I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit. Fill me with confidence. Help me to trust you. Here's what I'd love to do. For just a moment with nobody looking around, if that's you, you know it. You know, you know be proud of this moment. Be proud of this decision. And if you made this decision to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, Here's what I'm gonna do. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to just slip your hand up high. Just raise it up high for just a moment. Join me by raising your hand. If today you say, Pastor, I joined you in this moment. I prayed this prayer. On three, would you raise your hand up high? One, two, 
three, just right where you are, just slip it up right where you are. I just wanna see you for just a moment, just for a second. I wanna see if I wanna make sure I'm not missing anybody. If your hand is up, one of our team may come by and put a clipboard in your hand. We wanna be able to celebrate with you. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the promise that you have. God, I pray that we would be a church that tests you. We want to see what you're capable of in our lives, our marriages, our families, and our community. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, Ray, let's put our hands together.